and welcome to the Business Success Show and you are in for a treat. Stay tuned in. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. And on this podcast, what we really want to establish is this. How do hardworking entrepreneurs build profitable and scalable businesses whilst having the freedom and balance to do the other things they love? like family, vacations, sports, fun, adventures, and charity. So let's tune into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business Success Show with your host, Mac Atram. And today I have the absolute pleasure to be in conversation with Claudine Reed, MBE. And it excites me to uh, be speaking with Claudine because we've known each other for a number of years and she has been doing some great stuff all over and uh, it excites me. So, hey, well, let me say, Claudine, welcome, welcome to the Business Success Show. Thanks for jumping on. Thank you so much, Max. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. Let's start from this. The reason why I wanted to speak with you specifically is um, you are a social entrepreneur. And for those people who don't know what a social entrepreneur is, we want to talk about that. I also want to talk about how you got involved um, in as a social entrepreneur. And why not just standard entrepreneurship? What was the difference for you? What, why was it important to go down that line? Now, for those who don't know Claudine, she has been a social entrepreneur for over 20 years, a business psychologist, a leadership coach. Um, and, and what I love about her and her husband is that they are family people, just like me, my wife and Linda. So it's always good to speak to people like that who are not just in business just to make money, but also living a good lifestyle, helping their family and all, all the um, trimmings that come with it. So, Claudine, how did you get started as a social entrepreneur? <laughs> Thanks, Mac. Great question. Um, let me take you back probably 27 years. I was doing a work experience placement. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, I, was living in, I was living in Europe at the time, and I asked my friend to find me a job. He said to me, don't worry, my brother has just started a business. You can go and work for my brother. I said, no problem. I worked for his brother for about four months. And all the while, this is me knowing that I'm going back to university to finish my degree. Okay. At the end of the four-month period, his brother said to me, he doesn't want me to leave. And the only way that he can get me to stay is if he proposed to me. So he proposed to me. I said yes. <laughs> we got married, and that was my entry into social entrepreneurship. Really, really, oh, <laughs> it wow. really was. It really was. I stayed because of what I saw the impact that I was able to make. I stayed. Oh, wow. I, I got involved because of my husband, but I stayed because of the process. I stayed because I saw the impact of the lives that we were able to transform in the communities that we were serving, and mm. it really just sat well with me. I felt like I could get. You know, if you think about life, you want you want income, you want impact, you want influence. And I felt that through that vehicle of social entrepreneurship, I could have those three things. Wow. For those, thanks for that. And when you say Europe, what part of Europe was it? I was in Amsterdam. So I was there as oh. a, uh, doing my business degree for, for six months. Okay, Holland, Amsterdam. For those who don't know what social entrepreneurship is, can you explain that compared to um standard business entrepreneurship what is the difference so, so social entrepreneurship is really if you think about a business that has 
uh, social goals. So they can either trade for uh, their ability to generate income or they can um, go down the sort of charitable route. I prefer the trading route because it gives you a lot more control mm. over your income and the way how you build your business. So most social enterprises will either have a social goal or an environmental goal. And in the main, we are trading with the mission of the organization. So whether that's social or environmental, that mission is front and center. So the, the, the drive, if you like, is about maximizing value for social or environmental purposes, as opposed to for shareholder value. Oh, I see. Thanks for that. So social, it's all for social or environmental change. Okay, yeah. so someone's sitting there listening, thinking, oh, I, you know, I wanted to get into business. I didn't know what, I don't know what my passion is. But what Claudine's just shared, it's just triggered me. It's like, I have this idea. I want to make this change. How do I go about doing that? Where, where is the starting point? I think a good starting point is always in your mind, right? In terms of what is that transformation or that change that you want to bring about? What does that look like? Once you're able to articulate that, then the next phase will be, um, to build a team who's on your team who are those people who can support you and of course all of the appropriate appropriate regulatory um, frameworks in terms of registering with companies house um, and HMRC and all of those things but the first port of call I would say would always be to make sure that is right in your mind you are clear on what that social value add will be who are your beneficiaries how will you pay for the service what does that impact look like so that at the end of each year or the end of each quarter you can really drill down on those impact pieces because what i've observed mac through through my career is that the more we impact the more opportunities we have to influence other change makers in that entire ecosystem of enterprise Amazing, amazing. And you've had the, um, I don't know how many thousands of people you've had the pleasure of uh, impacting or influencing or helping. Um, so you've worked with leaders, you've helped people set up their social enterprises, you've helped people actually, you know, manage their business and start their businesses. Um, tell us a little bit about that work that you do to help people, you know, for, to helping people to have impact, influence and also income. Because it's not just about starting a business. It's not just about starting a social enterprise. But you want to make a difference and you want to also be able to pay yourself, right? It's not just for the sake of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a really interesting um, piece in that the people who I support generally have a good idea. You know, most people just have a, just got this really great idea and they're really interested in connecting with an audience. But one of the things that are really important to me is using enterprise as a vehicle for social good. That also includes creating job opportunities for other people. So it's one thing to say, I want to impact society by providing services to vulnerable adults and children, which is what we do. Okay. But in that provision of service, I'm also creating job opportunities for other people. So to me, it feels like, you know, on, on, on multiple levels, I'm able to add value to community. And over the last 27 years, we've created over 10,000 jobs. And that is the piece, if you like, that any 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 enterprise can 
can create jobs. But if you look at the, the rationale behind the job creation, the rationale behind the mission, which is adding value to the community, providing services to vulnerable adults and to vulnerable children. So in that framework, I'm also supporting entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, to create their own organisations. But mm. back to the question that you asked earlier on, how do you do that? It starts in their mind. It starts with what do you believe that you have the capability and the capacity to do? Once you're able to un, um, unlock some of that potential, we can then start to make that process. So in the process of being an entrepreneur, similar to yourself, Mac, I've designed mentorship programs, I've designed leadership programs. I currently advise Lloyd's Banking Group on how to support entrepreneurs. So it all kind of fits in together into this ecosystem of support because I feel like there are there are many complex layers that support entrepreneurs to get to their end goal or that supports them to get to that particular destination. And I'm just one piece in that process. Wow. So it's fascinating. And congratulations, by the way, of all the work you've been doing for well, more than two decades now. So fantastic work. Um, Claudine, tell us about what you were you were um, given an award, MBE. Uh, so tell us about how that came about, because clearly it's because of the work you've been doing. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So I got my investiture in 2008 um, for services to social enterprise. It was a really high honour um, because, you know, I, I'm working because I enjoy what I do. I'm not working because I'm looking for accolades, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was a really high honour to be able to take my husband, my two children and my mum to Buckingham Palace. It was Prince Charles, well, now King Charles, um, who gave me the investiture, but it was for services to social enterprise. And I guess it's it's one of those career highlights where you kind of sit back and think, I'm working, but somebody else is viewing my work as a contribution that really has a different type of impact on society. And I'm really quite clear that my work has to fit into all of those categories of impact influence and income because what good would it be to run a business that supports yeah. the entire community <laughs> you can't pay your bills yeah 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 absolutely you know resentment was set in you'll be frustrated you'll be stressed out if you can't pay the bills for those people who don't know what the mbe stands for is that's a member of the british empire and you were given that by king um prince charles king charles now and you know applause to you because you put your head down, you worked hard, you made a difference, you've created over 10,000 jobs, you, you, you're you making a difference to other people. So well done you. Fantastic. Now, tell us a little bit about the work you do for the Lloyds Banking Group, because again, that's social, uh, that's for social change and economic change as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is one of the pieces that I really enjoy, actually. Um, and, and it's interesting you say to tell us about the work because it doesn't feel like work, right? Mm. It doesn't feel like work. It, it feels like fun. It feels like, you know, this is, this is fulfillment on, on, on a really high level for me. So 
Um, Lloyds Bank headhunted me to support them in the process of better understanding the ecosystem of support that's required for black entrepreneurs in particular. Um, it fits into most large organizations have what's referred to as an ESG framework. So that stands for um, Economical, Social and Governance Framework. And this falls into their piece of responsible banking. So my role is to really stretch and challenge the thinking of an organization, the magnitude of Lloyd's Banking mm. Group, <laughs> um, to help them to better understand what some of those challenges are, but more importantly, how do we minimize those challenges so that we can support entrepreneurs in that entire ecosystem? So we've created different milestones, if you like, or different um, different key uh, uh, points on an entrepreneur's journey. So somebody who's at an, uh, a turnover from naught to fifty thousand pounds, fifty thousand to a hundred thousand, a mm. hundred thousand to a million, and then a million plus. Because at each of those key milestones, we've observed that business changes quite significantly, Absolutely. and the frameworks of that are required at each of those key milestones are really quite immense. Opportunities to different types of supply chains. What does that need to look like for entrepreneurs? It's really interesting because. Uh, many times people talk about how do we how do we create a, a better or more thriving economy? I believe that's that's the role of the entrepreneur, right? The entrepreneurs are the ones who are creating the jobs. The entrepreneurs are the ones who are, who are innovating and creating all of these products and services that we see today. The role or the mechanism of government is to create the policy framework to allow that to happen. And in the middle of that framework, is the banking system and we need the banks to be on side to really support us in that journey so i get the opportunity matt to sit down and talk about this stuff all day it just floats my boat it really feels like fulfillment it just doesn't feel like work well i, I can see you know the, the beauty about your work uh, claudine when i've watched you for over a number of years is you're just doing it because someone has to do it and like you said, it's not work, but clearly it's mission driven, it's purpose driven. For someone to have that level of uh, fulfillment, it must be every day you're waking up, it's like, okay, let's go and do this thing and you enjoy it and good for you. And how does some, actually, it's a good question I want to ask. How does someone who's not fulfilled in what they're doing now, maybe at work, maybe in their business, how can they get themselves on that path that every day they wake up? They are doing something that brings them joy and fulfillment. It doesn't feel like work. They get it, and, and they're getting paid handsomely. They're getting paid well, so they can have a good lifestyle as well as make an impact. Do you have a, Do you have any tips or any um, ideas on that? Um, yeah, that's a really great question, Mac. And one of the things that I normally share with my um, some of my mentees, um, I stumbled across, stumbled across a SOAR analysis. S-O-A-R. It was almost like a spin on a SWOT analysis. Most, most people are familiar with that, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. But a SOAR analysis asks you the same thing, but more of an internal, um, an internal conversation with yourself. So look at your strengths, look at your opportunities, look at your aspirations and then the results. That's, that's the SOAR analysis. And if, 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 we, if we step back a moment, one of the things that I've often said to many of my um, my mentees and some entrepreneurs 
if you're not feeling fulfilled in the space that you are, after you've done that analysis, just take a walk down your high street and have a look at some of the things that really, you know, speak to the core of who you are. If you have the opportunity to change something in your community, whether it be a social change or an environmental change, what would that look like and what could you do about it? There are some people like myself, we are... I mean, I run a social enterprise, which has been thriving for the last 27 years. So I don't really have to ask for funding to do anything. If I see something that I feel really passionate about, I have the opportunity to redirect the surplus, the profits from my organization and do that. And, and constantly I'm creating that ecosystem. So I just want to be clear. I'm not doing this. Yeah, I'm doing it for the fulfillment. But there is also a very clear, robust business model to this. Because I have staff on my payroll. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't be telling them <laughs> your reward is later on down the line, right? I've got monthly obligations to meet for my for my staff. But for anybody who wants to get involved and not know where to start, just have a look at what's happening in your community and find out where 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 are your passions? How would you like to contribute to this? I'd also suggest before going full head in on a business, maybe volunteer for an hour or two a week and see if what you're seeing and how you're volunteering, how you could add value to that from a business, a real hardcore business perspective. Once you're clear that actually this isn't just a flight by night, I've just had this idea, you know, and, 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 and it's a flight by night type of thing. Once you're really clear, then you can really start rolling up your sleeves and getting the business plan out and put in ideas and putting legs and wings on that idea that you have to add value to a broader community group of people. I love that, you know. I love the simplicity of the way you put it. It's like, find out what is in your core. Do the SOAR analysis. And for those listening in, reach out to Claudine. She'll give you more information. Um, and then take a walk because all the opportunities are around us. Take a walk down your local high street, your local, your, you know, your busy road, main road, because we have, I say main road, because we have people listening from all over the world here, um, and see what opportunities are there and that you can get involved with, and, and that will um, give you some satisfaction. The other thing you said, Claudine, was about, just try to recap now. So the SOAR analysis, is that freely, is that, can someone search that on the internet or? Yeah, I can't remember who the originator is, but it's something, you know, in, in that in all of that research piece, I just found that doing that saw analysis just kind of helps you to drill down on yeah. you as an individual. Right, excellent. And then see the opportunities. The other thing you said was about you plow back into the opportunities that you see from your profits and from your own business. There are some people who set up social enterprises and rely on grants and funding and grants and funding and grants and funding. And when that dries up, their enterprise is over. And some, and, and, and some, some of them have so approached me and I've tried to work with them. And I've, tried, I, I've done my best to help them to, or teach them how to sell, how to market, how to really, um, get their own, create their own funding by really sharing their vision and, and going after private investment if need be. I wanted to hear your viewpoint in terms of 
what you said, going on but from what you said about plowing, plowing some of those funds back into other opportunities or becoming, how does one become self-sustaining if you're running a social enterprise? I, I suppose that's the real question. Yeah, I mean, by and large, a social enterprise is a business. The only thing, one of the things that are different is about the, 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 the core the core mission. And the core mission of that social enterprise is to maximise um, value for society or for, for, for social good, whether that's social or environmental good, as opposed to shareholders. So when we wanted to make sure our organisation was sustainable, this was about making sure we had a robust business model. We built the business around a system that didn't require my input or Patrick's input. Yes, of course, we're the directors and we're the head of the organisation. But for example, you know, Mac, I had to take 18 months out of my business in 2019. Unfortunately, I had a breast cancer diagnosis and thankfully everything has gone well and I'm, you know, have, have now have a clean bill of health. But if I that. didn't have a system, yeah, if I didn't have a system or a framework that could work without me, then I wouldn't have a business. So when we talk about social enterprise, the thing that separates us or separates the organization is the thought process it's the purpose of the organization it still has to make money what you'll find is those organizations that are totally grant dependent maybe they don't last very long you know and when i say very long we're we're in our this is 30 years so patrick started the business in 1992 i joined in 1995 wow so this is our first year of running such an organization so i'm testament that this can work but it works because you have a robust business model. It works because you understand that we still have to have a, a profit margin. <laughs> we still have to make wise investments, you know. And so it's a combination of, of all of those things. And there's no harm in partnering with other organizations who mm. are perhaps not social entrepreneurs to learn some of the frameworks that they use to ensure their sustainability. Wow. Okay. Good, good, good. I, I like that. Partner with someone else that can actually help you. And also, and I love what you said also, you running a social enterprise, someone running a social enterprise, it is a business. Treat it as a business. But the key thing, the key differentiator is the mission is focused on social change or environmental change, but run it as a business. So that means you've still got to do the marketing, still got to do the sales, you've still got to build your systems and processes, you've still got to manage your finances and get help if you need if you need to get help, get help from people like Claudine, get a, a coach, um, whatever will help you to actually create that sustainable business. Fantastic work, fantastic. Now, for those, so tell us a bit more about, you know, um, I read that you work with female um, entrepreneurs and you support them and you help them and you mentor them tell them because one side you you've got your um social enterprise you're, you're you're doing and 30 years has been running with patrick on the other side is creating leaders um and aspiring leaders and and tell us a bit more about your mentoring work you do yeah so i work with mainly with female entrepreneurs who I think you probably said this earlier on Mac they are the ones who are probably straddling between two kind of spaces they want to do charitable work but are not 100% clear on what that framework needs to look like in order to make the progress that they need to make 
And at the same time, they're struggling with care responsibilities. Many of them are what we refer to as the sandwich generation. They have um, care responsibilities for children and parents. They are in the middle. So they're the sandwich generation. How do they make this work? You know, how, how, how do they make this work without compromising their own values? It's what I refer to as the balancing act. I wrote about this in my book, um, the balancing act, priorities of a social entrepreneur, because I see those key areas around fitness, faith, family, finance, fun, mm. friends, and then firm, which is your which is your business. So in order to make sure that we can have the balance that we are looking for, I'm supporting women to be clear about what they want out of those key components of life. And then let's put a framework in place to ensure that we can make that journey, almost call it a roadmap. We're, we're, we're creating a roadmap to ensure that we can get the fulfillment that we desire in life. I don't think anybody wants to spend 30, 40, 50 years working only to find that they weren't fulfilled or I didn't enjoy <laughs> what I was doing. And then they keep on doing this thing because because they need the money. And of course, we understand, right? Everybody has financial obligations. Mm. But I think it's so much more fun when you feel fulfilled doing what you're doing and making money at the same time. Yeah, we're on the same train of thought there. Why do you think, um, Claudine, that many people live their entire life doing something that doesn't give them joy or fulfillment? Why does that happen, do you think? Oh, I think there's complex reasons, Mac. I think some people are comfortably miserable. Um, (laughs) Comfortably miserable, yes. Yeah, They're, they're, they're comfortable in a space. Others... It could be lack of knowledge, lack of information, lack of access to information. Therefore, because they don't know, they sit in that space. And for others, I think it's fear. There's an element of fear that almost incarcerates the creativity of your mind. It keeps you in a place. And if you're not, if you haven't surrounded yourselves with other people who are ahead of you, a coach, a mentor who has done this before, you think that actually this is all there is. And so people settle, which is why I say they're comfortably miserable. (laughs) They're not really happy, Um, but they're here because this is all all they know. And they, I don't know if you've ever heard somebody just say, I'll make do. I'm not a make-do type of person. I'm I'm just not. I'm going to seek out the knowledge. I'm going to seek out the information because I think this is also about our the next generation that follows us, right, our children, I want them to see us striving for more so that when it comes, you know, their time to shine, they are standing on mine and Patrick's shoulders knowing that whatever door or wall that stood before us, we always found a way to go through, over or around. And that's a great way to live, you know. You know, when you say you get 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 over these obstacles, the challenges, go over, go through, go under. You know, challenges will come. Whether you're working for someone else as an employee, whether you're working for yourself as an entrepreneur or as a social entrepreneur, challenges will come. And it's Kate, and I agree with what you said. Actually, you know, you've got to get uncomfortable in order to be comfortable later on in, in, in life. And there's always people there that can support as well, whether it's advisors, mentors, coaches. So listen, for those who want to uh, love what you're saying, make sense and it resonates with them, how do they reach out to you? What's the best way? 
Um, I am on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, my website, ClaudineReadMBE.com. I have a weekly newsletter, um, a weekly e-blast if people want to join up with me um, every Tuesday at 8 a.m. I'll send out something motivational, inspirational, and more importantly, there's tips, tools, and tactics to help people through that enterprise journey. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So the uh, all the social media handles usually type in Claudine Reed and be you'll pop up. Fantastic, yeah, very good, LinkedIn, very good. I'm on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, any of those three. Any of those three, awesome. Um, I'm going to come back to you for some last words in a moment, uh, Claudine. Thank you again. As you're listening to the Business Success Show with the business coach, Mac Atrum and Claudine Reed, MBE. And please like, share, subscribe, follow if you're not following on this channel, if you're not subscribed on this channel. And it's so, so important to do so. I'll tell you why. Because when you are subscribed or you're following, when this is released and when these things are released and when we speak to experts, you'll be pinged and you'll be one of the first to be notified. So make sure you do. Make some comments as well here so that we can see it and we see what you've got out of this so we can start bringing you more awesome, awesome experts just like Claudine. I'm just going to go to Claudine. Any last words, anything that you haven't shared already that you'd love to share? We are all ears. Go ahead, Claudine. Yeah, I think one of the strap lines that I try to live by, Mac, is increase your capacity for more. I think for each level or for each layer of life that we find ourselves in, especially in this season, in a post um, post pandemic, post Brexit era, mm. there is always more. And there is a ceiling. And I think part of our responsibility is to lift the lid on that ceiling. So the more we strive, the more that you want out of life, there is going to be a requirement of you, there's going to be a requirement of that entrepreneur to increase their capacity for more. And the beautiful thing is, every time you increase your capacity for more, you get more opportunities. And I think that's the reason why I, why I do what I do. For every time I take the lid off of myself, and sometimes those lids are self-imposed, sometimes they are physical barriers, and we have to determine, do I allow this wall to stay here, or do I find a way through, round, under, <laughs> over it, and make those those seeming, those things that seem impossible, how do I make them impossible? And so I'd encourage your, your, your audience to increase their capacity for more, because when you do that, you have access to more opportunities, and with more opportunities comes more influence, more impact, and more income. I love that. Fantastic. You heard it from the words of Claudine. And, and I would put it the same way as grow yourself. Grow yourself. As Claudine says, grow your capacity for more. Because when you do, more opportunities also show as well. Claudine, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today and uh, continue doing the good work you are doing. And uh, until we catch up again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Brilliant. Thank you. You're most welcome. Speak soon.